in a world gone mad. Only rationality and common sense can save it. It's Andrew and Jerry Save the World with your hosts, Andrew Langer and Jerry Rogers. And now, here's Andrew and Jerry. Well, welcome everybody to episode five of Andrew and Jerry Save the World. Uh, Andrew and Jerry Save the Border dot 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 of ukraine at least that's uh, what we're talking about calling it uh, i'm i'm one of your hosts i'm andrew langer i'm jerry rogers and, and jerry's jerry's in a bit of a snit this morning we're getting <laughs> eeyore's jerry listen for those of you who've joined us in the other episodes you know they're they're the many faces of jerry rogers and eeyore's jerry is 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 very entertaining to say the least the least jerry why are you so eorish right well now? because i think that when major media new york times washington post baltimore sun you name the venue i think they should provide links yes uh when when the new york times uh reports on for instance uh new protocols recommendations uh new data or new information from the cdc they should link to the CDC page uh, that they're reporting on. But yes. for some reason, uh, it's it's almost as if, Andrew, that the corporate media, the legacy media, they don't want us to find the primary sources. And I think that, that in indications like this, I think you're absolutely correct that in, that in situations like this, where there is a story, and, and we're going to get to the, the context of this in a moment, because there is a greater context here. Uh, that they that they possibly don't. I think because I know I've I've read New York Times articles online that have had links in them, uh, but this one we're going to talk about in a second did not. Uh, the context, because before we start talking about Ukraine and foreign policy, and there are a couple of different things we're going to be joined today. By the way, by Tony Schaefer, who's the president of the London Center for Public Policy, one of my favorite organizations. Tony Schaefer, our retired uh, lieutenant colonel from the army, had I've had him on my show. I know Jerry's had him on his show in the past. Uh, but before we talk about this, um, we want to spend a little bit of time talking about <laughs> something that happened with episode four, uh, which was. Um, um, I don't remember what. Oh, Andrew and Jerry saved the Supreme Court, in which we had yes. a good conversation uh, with Ilya Shapiro from the Cato Institute. And uh, the prediction made uh, by our guest was exactly yes. how the Supreme Court ruled. Uh, something that maybe we'll 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 follow up with on a later show. Uh, the OSHA mandate, Vax mandate, was struck down six to three. No surprise, right? Yes. Uh, we we predicted it. Our guest predicted it. Uh, but I, 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 I raised the issue during that show that the CMS mandate uh, for 10 million health work, healthcare workers, that they, that vaccine mandate actually was upheld 5-4 with both Kavanaugh and, uh, and Roberts uh, uh, siding with the more liberal justices. Yes. I think that is such a dangerous uh, precedent, such a dangerous uh, majority uh, slight majority, 5-4 yes. ruling that it, it it requires us to go back and, and-, and it gets to the glancing goose theory. And it's something we're going to be talking about. Mm-hmm. And Jerry and I are going to be actually, I, I'm going to say this, uh, Jerry and I are going to be uh, very careful with our language today. Um, <laughs> talking about <laughs> and, these issues. And that mom, it's not, it's not because we say curse words. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, was, no, I was about to drop an F-bomb, Jerry. <laughs> but, uh, but the point is um, our episode four, 
video got removed from Facebook. Uh, Facebook got removed from YouTube um, uh, over our discussion of certain things having to do with the prevailing topic of public health, uh, the 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 issues within the pandemic. Um, and, and, you know, we're, we're here was part of the problem is that we don't know exactly why it got dinged. We have our theories uh, about this, but we're going to be really careful in, in, in talking about this issue. And before we really get into the, the issue of Ukraine and the other issue that I know Tony's going to want to talk about, we want to talk about what happened over the weekend. In fact, Jerry, let's, let's go say, ahead and let's, hold let's on, say, hold on, let's go ahead and open up our ripped from the headlines segment, because this truly is ripped from the headlines. Ripped from the headlines. So, so Jerry, as we talked about this, so as our, our video got removed, um, there was, there, there's a series of things that happened over the weekend Uh, on Friday. And I want you to read, Jerry is reading the New York times headlines. What did the New York times headline read on Friday? And, and as I look for it, let me let me uh, let me just let me just say this: our conversation from episode three, one. Andrew, episode Andrew. which one? No, uh, the one that was dinged on uh, YouTube. Episode four. Uh, episode four. We did not discuss anything that really is outside of the of the central uh, discussion on the virus yeah. the response to the virus a uh, policy uh, uh, we you know it wasn't something radical or or out to left or right field very main mainstream uh, forgive that term a conversation about covid protocols and covid requirements cool. and, and and the rest of it but, here's, but here but here's from friday right so so friday uh so on friday uh we're getting ready for pizza night. Like many of you, Friday night, uh, you do a movie night. You're with your family. And so Friday evening, I'm, I'm checking, the, checking the headlines because I want to do an update for Real Clear Health. And there it is, New York Times. And here is, the, here is the headline, part of the headline from the New York Times. And that is the CDC, this quote, quote, the CDC conceded that cloth masks do not protect against the virus. And I yes. read that immediately called Andrew and said, oh, my goodness, look at this Friday night dump. Uh, yes. You know, if you want to hide news, if you want to hide, hide something, uh, you know, the old trick, you know, for old, old hacks like Andrew and I, what you want to do is, is that you want to you want to you want to uh, you want to release it to the media on, on a Friday. Uh, and, and that's what happened here. And so the bottom line is this. The CDC uh, has revised, conceded, has changed um, right. its uh, its its um, recommendations and they have, on 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 masks, and they've they've clarified it, and and, yeah. and, and more to the point. So, so I want to I want to make sure we get into the timelines here, and there's an important point to, to having this discussion, and we're going to get to this in a second because we're going to talk about our video and 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 anyway, and science and all of these things. So Friday, this comes out. Saturday, uh, Glenn Youngkin is sworn in. He is inaugurated as governor of Virginia. And Governor Glenn Youngkin uh, turns around and among the very first actions he takes uh, is to put a ban on mask mandates in schools, which is a hugely controversial issue. 
Um, but the, this is what the governor did. He did this on Saturday. But now, again, I CDC- need to clarify. We need to clarify something here because, uh, you know, Jen Psaki, spokesperson for the White House. Yes. Uh, and other and other uh, uh, other uh, superintendent of schools in Virginia, the Richmond superintendent and some others immediately uh, responded by saying uh, you can't or it's wrong to. Uh, force my child not to wear a mask. Yes. And, and again, this is this is the uh, fundamental misunderstanding uh, by many on the left. And that is Yunkin's mandate or his order doesn't say you can't wear a mask. Yes. It says you can't force people to wear a mask. In other and, words, and, and, it's and an Gary, opt out. I pulled up. I've pulled up Jen Psaki's tweet here. Oh, very uh, good for people to see a uh, high there. I mean, it, it is like so much wrong with this tweet. Um. It starts with the snarkiness. And this is, this is, you know, you and I have talked about how the hot take is the worst thing to ever happen in political discourse. And, and a corollary to this, a subset of this is, is the snark and being snarky. And so Jen Saki writes, I took my glasses off. Uh, Jen Saki writes, hi there, Arlington County parent here. Don't believe you are Glenn Youngkin, but correct me if I'm wrong. Thank you to APS Virginia. That's Arlington County Public Schools, by the way, for standing up for our kids, teachers and administrators and their safety in the midst of a transmissible variant. Me. And Jerry's right that no one. And this is a number of people, including several of our friends, uh, Molly Hemingway, for instance. I think Julie Gunlock may have also uh, jumped into this as well. Uh, all pointed out to Jen Psaki that nobody is preventing her kids from wearing masks. Nobody's right. preventing any kids from wearing masks. Right. Um, so, but the point is, so Friday we get, we get X Saturday, we get Y and then Jerry, what, what happened on Monday? Well, on Monday, the CDC uh, issued new protocols or let me, let me get my word correct here. Yes. Protocol is the wrong word. What they did was they issued new guidance. Yes. Um, guidance for COVID-19 prevention in K through 12 schools. I'm actually reading from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. It's page. Yes. Um, and this was updated on uh, January uh, the 13th. What was, what was uh, Monday's date? Well, January 13th was last week. All right, so so I'm 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 on the wrong. <laughs> well, no, no, the wrong but this gets this gets to your point. But the point is, right? Either way, the guidance does not comport with the New York Times reporting of what the CDC has said. No, and and, and, this, wor- yeah. and, 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 and worse, it actually um, the guidance talks about how um, uh, we should move away from sports and extracurricular activities. Oh yeah, that's, uh, and, well, that's just crazy. And and doesn't clarify the new uh, uh, information, the new data on masks. The, here's the frustrating thing for me, someone who, again, uh, and you too, Andrew Langer, yep. we've 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 been in, involved in policy and politics for 25 years. Yes. Um, we've, we've, you know, we've, uh, we've researched, we've commented, we've participated, we've given testimony. Um, we've worked in health policy for a very long time. And it's so frustrating for someone uh, who just simply wants to have a conversation about where we are now that, that it's difficult to get right information. It's difficult to, I'm going to give a little bit of, of the sausage making to the audience. And that is, Please. 
Andrew and I never have a pre-call for a show. We just get on. We decide, you know, what we're going to talk about, and we get on. We talk about it. Sure. Well, um, well. I mean, apart from the apart from the myriad other phone calls that we have in, a, yeah, yeah, in the course yeah. of a given yeah. day, but, but yes, go ahead. But, but the fact of the matter is, we're constantly reading and going through the news yeah. and going through research and going through papers and Supreme Court decisions that you know we just decide, hey, we're going to do this, this, and this, and boom, we're ready to go, right? Yeah. Uh, but however, today uh, we had a we had a five minute conversation about being careful with our language uh, because because we don't want to get dinged again because we think this information our conversations uh should be up on youtube and youtube uh, and other big tech uh, are engaged in stifling the exchange of ideas and this gets into this gets into the the meat of of where we wanted to have this conversation we're going to have a much bigger conversation about this because we want to bring on a free speech expert at some point to talk about this so Jerry calls me yesterday afternoon and he's like, Andrew, I've been, I've been reading up on stuff. Actually, before we get into this, here's why it's important. And, and again, getting into something that Jerry and I talked about in the bottom line segment last week in a conversation I have with my dad, um, we, we, we need to, we need to explain, I, we need to be better about explaining things. <laughs> the only way we can solve problems in this world is if we have free and open exchanges of ideas. Right. And we actually have conversations. It's the only way that we can do this. Uh, Jerry and I pride ourselves on on being both persuaders and persuadable. Right. If you bring an argument to us and you can persuade us all all the better. But the only way we can do that is to have an actual conversation about something. Um, and, And so having a public square where these debates can happen without someone putting their thumb on the scales, thumb on the scales uh, is is vitally important. And that's where our concern about what happened last week with our video on YouTube is concerned. And this gets into the call that, that Jerry uh, gave to me yesterday. So Andrew, I was, you can talk about this, Jerry. I mean, you were, you were looking online and you came across a Supreme court case called Packingham. Yeah, and, and the bottom line is, is that I was actually looking up uh, some other, uh, some other doing some other research on some other issues. And, and I came across this Supreme court case that, that barred the state of North Carolina. The Supreme Court decided, ruled uh, that North the U.S. Car- Supreme Court, the, U- the United States Supreme Court uh, decided in, in this case that North Carolina uh, could not bar uh, people from social media. Yes. In this case, it was uh, uh, I'm sorry for the topic, but it was sex offenders registered sex uh, offenders. Right. Registered. Se- so North Carolina passes a statute that bars registered sex offenders uh, from being on social media. Yeah. And the Supreme Court. Uh, knocked it down, saying that the uh, social media is today's. This is from 2016 to 2017. 2017. 2017. Yeah. That today's public marketplace, today's public square, yes, uh, is social media. Yes. and and there are constitutional free speech uh, issues at stake here, and therefore uh, states cannot, North Carolina cannot, uh, cannot uh, keep people from their constitutionally protected right to free speech. And Jerry called me up because, Andrew, how come more people aren't talking about this? And I hadn't heard about the case. Um, and, and, you know, I, you know, obviously we've been, and we've been having these debates and part of the debate has been right. We've had a longstanding debate in America about something called net neutrality, which is how internet service providers carry data. We've had the conversation about whether or not 
uh, social media platforms or publishers and whether or not they should be held liable if they do act and, and, and uh, promote or discourage or prevent content or promote other kinds of content, whether or not they have certain liabilities under the law. We've had these things. And Jerry's like, well, how come nobody's talking about this? And part of it probably has to do with the fact that the North Carolina law had to do with registered sex offenders. But the, the as, as Ilya Shapiro talks about, you know, these big questions, um, this, this, you know, these decisions, this is why the Supreme Court takes cases like Packingham and they make decisions which say that they are the public square. And then this raises a whole nother question, right? And, and Jerry, you know, as we were talking about these, goes, well, I've answered my own question because it was the state of North Carolina that was preventing certain people from accessing social media. And, and it wasn't the social media platforms preventing them. But then the question comes up with, okay, so the Supreme Court has defined these platforms as the public square. They say the state cannot bar entry for the public square. But nobody is then asking the question of, well, when, wait a minute, what happens when people are prevented from having a conversation on the public square or talking about issues in a way that they might otherwise. And as I pointed out to Jerry or the public square uh, positions, uh, fact checkers yes, <laughs> and says, you're not welcome here. I want well, what to happens to this. my want, what happens to my free speech? I want right you to then. picture all of this. Right. This is the scenario. Right. Picture this in your mind. I'm going to paint a word picture for you. Imagine legitimately a public square a town park, a green or whatever. And people come on and people start having conversations. And all at once you have a, a self-appointed monitors who run around and put gags or, or, or yeah, gags around, uh, around people's mouths, you know, to prevent them from or, or bar or bar them from being, uh, being present. Well, no, no, no. Right. Remember. Well, yes. Uh, but you remember, you can't bar them from entering but you gag them, and if they violate the gag order, then you haul them out and you right. kick them out of the public square. In other words, it, it's it, there's an issue of symmetry, right? Uh, Abraham Lincoln, you know, Daniel Day Lewis and Lincoln talks about you know the the geometric um, uh, uh, certainty. You know, uh, uh, what is it? It's um, uh, I, I can't think of the mathematician, but the point is, you know, it, it's Euclidean geometry. Uh, those things now that, that sounds equal. like a word that should be banned. Yes. Euclidean. Yes. <laughs> there you go um, again. <laughs> those things that are equal um, uh, to other things are equal to each other. Right. If, and if it's very pleasurable. B, yes. If a is equal to B and a is equal to C, then B is equal to C. Yes. A and so you cannot, you cannot, if, if in point of fact, uh, these social media platforms are the public square, and you cannot bar people from entering the public square. The state cannot bar people from entering the public square. Um, then it stands to reason that free exchanges of ideas uh, cannot be barred from, from that same public square. Otherwise, there's no point to it. Otherwise, it is a hollow shell of what it once was. At least I think so, Jerry. Well, and again, what, what's frightening is that uh, the left seems to uh, seems the left is promoting this idea of banning all speech, all ideas, yes. contrary to what to 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 what they want to promote, and uh, contrary to their ideology. It's 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 
it's a it's a it's a it's 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 scary. And again, this shouldn't be left or right. Yeah, Uh, this is something where 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 the powerful are purposefully uh, stifling discussion and debate. That's what's happening. Period. Well, and, and and that's just it. You know, the the society cannot long endure if if, if well, we certainly can't progress, uh, and we can't solve problems if we're not able to talk those problems through with one another. We we cannot we can't find right. If one side is saying your your speech, we are denying everything that you say, then it becomes impossible to find common ground because it's that it's it's just it, it really is. Uh, a policy and society on one side's terms, which is vastly un-American. And I'll, and I'll dare say, right, that we talked about this a little bit, right? You, 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 you remember, um, who was it? It was William F. Buckley and uh, Gore Vidal who would have those debates. Yeah. And yep. Gore Vidal used to call William F. Buckley a crypto-fascist, which means a hidden fascist, right? A, a, a fascist in hiding. Well, this is techno-fascism. In, in a very real way. Um, and, and that's problematic. And, you know, so if, if, you know, and if I'm, if I'm someone who was supposed to be taking, and as I call them Antifa, or as other folks call them Antifa, um, you know, one <laughs> would think that if they were truly Antifa in all terms, then they would be pushing against this in the same way, by the way, that the left was railing against uh, or, or railing, against efforts to get rid of net neutrality, right, um, uh, years ago. You know, it, again, there's a certain symmetry that's involved here. You know, and again, for our friends on the left, there's a there's a there's something very ironic in all of this, and that is think about the early days of the Trump primary campaign, the Trump administration, right? He came down the elevators and and there was that very controversial uh, speech about Mexicans and yes, who's coming over. It's not the best. It's this. It's that. And you know, for many, uh, they said you know Trumpism uh, was othering uh, yes. uh, uh, immigrants. Well, what's happening today uh, when it comes to uh, when it comes to COVID, yeah. when it comes to climate change? Uh, my goodness, even when it comes to issues like critical race uh, theory. Uh, the, what the left is doing is othering. Uh, oh, you're, you're not you're not you're you're not valued enough uh, uh, to even have a have a uh, to, to have a say. You're not. He, the thing is, the left doesn't even view its political opponents as worthy adversaries. We they, know it's dehumanizing. They, they are they are stupid. They are racist. And we've seen that come to a, a, a head with with President Biden's speech last week you know, about, about the uh, election reform, right. And, and what that means. And anybody who opposes election reform, you had the guy who was on right. uh, uh, the news. I don't know if it was yesterday or Sunday likening um, it was yesterday, likening Joe Manchin and Kirsten cinema uh, to, uh, uh, to uh, the, the, the kinds of white liberal racists that MLK warned about. Um, this is, this is, this is very much the issue here. Um, and by the way, yes, we know I, I've been getting I've been getting pinged on this. Uh, we know that Joe Biden's statements regarding MLK and George Floyd were from the campaign trail. Did you hear about this? Well, yeah, Floyd, a year yeah. a year ago, he he said that Floyd's death 
had a greater impact uh, worldwide, globally than uh, than King's death. I want to pull something up here, Jerry. Hold on for one yeah. second. Jeff Boyden, Floyd, MLK. Uh, I want to see if I could find it on. And I, 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 again, while, while you do that, I want to I want to reiterate what you said, and that is on on the very uh, the, the very most important ideas uh, uh, right now in the public debate. Uh, whether it, many of them are science based, like COVID, uh, like uh, climate change. Uh, the left is saying one side isn't even fit uh, to enter the public square. And this is not just fringe, right? You have Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd, who is the host of a major Sunday talk show, uh, he has said point blank, he won't have uh, those uh, who deny, again, uh, his term, deny climate change on yes. his program. And, and again, so this is mainstream media, not just the not just the wonky, weird, radical left. It's it's mainstream uh, 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 liberalism uh, yeah. is 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 denying the public square to anyone they deem unworthy. It is the concept of deplatforming. It is the concept of cancel culture that they say does not exist. Jerry, I want to I want to I'm, I'm, I'm sharing this now. This is Biden, um, uh, Joe Byron, as they say in the uh, uh, the Bing Bong videos. Um, but I, I want to point something out, and I'm and I'm going to ask you a question in a moment, but, but here's what Joe Biden had to say a year ago. But even Dr. King's assassination did not have the worldwide impact that George Floyd's mm-hmm. death did. I, I, mean, I mean, as crazy as that statement is, Jerry, I want to, I want to call everybody's attention to this, this right here. Are you seeing what I'm circling here? Which is the face mask hanging off of Joe Biden's ear. But even Dr. King's assassination. How, 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 how did this man become president of the United States? I don't understand this. He's, it looks like he's wearing did not have the worldwide a Snoopy impact. ear on his, on his, on his head. And, and nobody is pointing this out. I'm sorry. I just, I felt. Well, Andrew, that was kind of a cool look uh, back in the day, back a year ago. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait, wearing a, early, wearing a face early, mask off your yeah, ear. Early, co- early COVID uh, fashion was uh, you showed your virtue. Uh, by having your uh, your your mask on your ear, or remember this: some people, you know, how you you put uh, you put the the sunglasses the on, on your glasses, and yes. so you. Uh, there were some people who had that on their on their mask. Sure. So when they took their mask off, it just hung right here. So you got put it right back on again. So so you know the early days of COVID fashion. Yeah, no, no, that, that was that that I was the president's virtue like signal. Yes. What? All right. All right. So it wasn't just that Joe Biden had forgotten. That no, his, that this was, was that was you know, okay, right. you know, and 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 the, again, the thing is, is that um, on these very important topics, the bottom line is this: yeah. the bottom line is, is that uh, you have you have progressives, liberals, Democrats, the mainstream media, academia, corporate culture, uh, teacher unions, big labor, and all the rest. Uh, it's they they have dehumanized and objectified their opponents, and yes. and and they won't even view them as worthy adversaries, but rather their speech, their thought, they can't even participate in what the left considers polite conversation. This is dangerous, whether it's COVID or climate change or race, uh, race theory. Uh, this is dangerous. The president of the United States, I don't see how we can not talk about this almost every day. He went yeah. to Atlanta and said that anyone who disagreed with him on uh, the voting rights legislation in Georgia, in Texas, and, and several other states, uh, that 
if you disagreed with him on the filibuster on yeah. on getting rid of the filibuster changing rules uh that you were essentially uh you were george wallace you were uh you were a racist you were jefferson bull, bull, bull Davis. connor yeah bull connor now yeah. again I wish someone would have a conversation with the left about how uh, Wallace and Connor uh, and Jefferson Davis, for that matter, uh, were Democrats. Yes. I mean, uh, you know, you and I this again, a future show. But I want to say this right now. Um, If you look at where uh, where where Democrats have had uh, uh, absolute power. Right. You see it in Baltimore City and what's happening there. You see it in cities like New York and San Francisco and Chicago, uh, where Democrats have absolute power. You see uh, the degradation, the the degradation, the crime, the the economic, uh, the economic plight, et cetera. But think about this, too. Think about Jim Crow. Yeah. Jim Crow existed. In those places where Democrats had yeah. absolute power. Absolutely. Well, yes. And, and we can get into sort of party history. But it shows you the danger. It shows you yes. the danger of not allowing in a, a, a competition of ideas. Of course. True, di- true yes. diversity. And that's an excellent point. Right. Yeah. True diversity isn't, uh, isn't uh, based upon your race or ethnicity. Uh, it is, it's based upon your ideas and your mind. Sure. And this is the problem. The left doesn't want diversity. Uh, the left wants uh, power uh, and they want absolute power. And, and, we, want, and again, and from history, want, we know what happens. They want power and they want power at the sake of of ignoring other things that are happening, other ignoring the realities of things. Truth, that are happening. facts, wanna, science. Yes. But I want to I want to shift gears here, Jerry, because we're in just a couple minutes. We're going to be bringing on um, our, our guest, Tony Schaefer from the London Center. Uh, Jerry, this is a, a, a tweet uh, that, that that came out 11, 12 minutes ago. I have no idea who World on Alert is, uh, but this is a TikTok from uh, somebody called Anuka Safanova. Um, I know I'm mispronouncing that, but these are uh, allegedly, and it says um, um, it, it's something about uh, uh, the train is this this is coming from um, from Moscow, uh, but these are this is a train of tanks heading uh, Russian tanks heading to the Ukrainian border. Why don't, um, why don't you do this? Why don't you set up before Tony comes on? Can you set up quickly? Why is Russia amassing troops and equipment uh, on the Ukraine? Well, yeah, you know something. It, 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 you know what? You know, I'll, I'll pull this up. It, it's helpful to pull up a map. We'll pull this up with. Uh, we'll pull this up when Tony's on as well, um, because real quick, for those of you who don't know, I have a degree in in Soviet studies. I at one time could speak fairly passable Russian. Um, does your spy, but so a lot of folks don't remember, oh, well, you know, all of this area in central Europe, these are, you know, there were, there were principalities and small kingdoms and, and other sort of government subdivisions that all eventually coalesced around a state that was known as Ukraine. Um, and then after the Soviet union became the Soviet union, uh, Ukraine was a federated Soviet socialist Republic. So it was part of the USSR. Um, and and in fact, you know, the the so-called what are called the white Russians, uh, they were well, they actually they were largely around this area called Belarus, which means white Russian. Um, but, you know, because all of these areas changed hands, uh, this area down here that you see Romania down here um, and, and what is Western Ukraine and what is Moldova here, this was Moldavia and sometimes a part of Poland, which is up here. So all and some of it was Hungary. 
um, which later became the Austria-Hungarian Empire. So all of these areas have changed hands. Now, Russia um, uh, was an empire. And as such, you know, the you had the czar and the czar uh, exercised great dominion over huge swatches of land in Eastern and Central Europe. And then and, and so once uh, the Soviet Union became the Soviet Union and Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union, it, it seemed like uh, just another aspect of Russian imperialism, uh, even if the 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 Marxist Leninists called themselves anti-imperialist. But so after the fall of communism, it's like Antifa calling themselves anti-fascist. Yes, that's right. Uh, after the fall of communism um, and after the Soviet Union dissolved, uh, Ukraine once again became an independent state. And as such, interestingly enough, because the Soviets had had, and we'll get into this with Tony, because the Soviets had had nuclear weapons stationed in Ukraine, uh, in order to convince the Ukrainian government to give up their nuclear weapons and send them back to Russia, uh, they signed a treaty with a number of nations, including the United States, which in some measures might obligate these nations uh, to defend Ukraine in case they are attacked. And so back while Barack Obama was president, I'm going to sum this up. You will remember that during the 2012 presidential campaign, Mitt Romney talked about Russia being the greatest threat to the United States and right. Barack Obama turned and quipped to him. The, the 80s called uh, Mitt and they want their foreign policy. And back. they want their foreign policy back. Uh, at the same time, we know that Obama made concessions to Vladimir Putin and said, I will have more flexibility in dealing with you after sure. the election. Um, and then in 2014, uh, Russia invaded, and I am going to reshare this. Crimea. Uh, Russia invaded uh, Crimea and actually also invaded uh, uh, eastern portions of Ukraine, and, and but really wholly took over uh, uh, Crimea, Crimea uh, which is, as you can see, is a peninsula or an island that stretches into the Black Sea. And it's vitally important uh, in terms of Russia being able to gain access to the, the from the Black Sea to the Mediterranean. So so Crimea has a strategic uh, strategic um, uh, importance but also uh, roughly what, uh, 17, 18% of Ukraine uh, is ethnic Russian, correct? Yes. yes. And so now, there's is, a- is, that, is, that, is that population ethnic Russian? Is that mostly in Crimea? No, no, no. That population is mostly in, in Eastern Ukraine. Okay. Some of it is in Crimea. Uh, keeping in mind that Crimea is also a massive tourist destination. So huge amounts of money are, are made in Crimea. So it's an economic powerhouse that Russia would love to have. Right there. now, today, uh, who controls Crimea? Crimea? Russia controls Crimea. And incidentally, this is part of the reason why you will not see. We're gonna we get, we got to take a break and get, get Tony. But this is part of the reason why you will you will not see NATO engage in this, because so long as Ukraine's historic borders are not within the control of Ukraine. They, they, you, NATO will not allow them to join. But tell you what, Jerry, uh, I think it's time to get our expert advice uh, from Tony Schaefer. So uh, let's cue that up. Expert advice. Welcome to our expert advice segment. Uh, joining us now 
is uh, is uh, uh, Tony Schaefer. He's the president of the London Center for Public Policy, a retired lieutenant colonel uh, in the army as well, uh, and uh, and the author of a number of different books. Uh, Operation Dark Heart. In fact, uh, Tony, I'm pulling up your uh, your Amazon page here right now. Operation Dark Heart, uh, the last line, uh, among other books. Um, so glad you could join. Uh, you can join us today. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate being on. I always enjoy, Andrew, our conversations because uh, I always know it's going to be fact-based and uh, very rich and controversial details when <laughs> yes. you get to it. So I always, I always enjoy it. So well, thanks. Well, you know, un- unfortunately, Tony, these days, fact-based conversations can get you banned from social media. That's what I mean. Fact-based conversations are <laughs> yes. fundamentally controversial. So there you go. <laughs> Tony, let's let's start here because, you know, we've decided that we, we really, we want to we start off our conversations, go from the simple to the more complex. Sure. Explain the situation in Ukraine to us like we are five-year-old children. So I would go in and basically lay it out that um, you have... A man in the form of Vladimir Putin, who is a thug, and as many thugs are apt to do, they act as criminals. In the case of Vladimir Putin, he has stated uh, that his goal is to reestablish the the, uh, good old days of the Soviet Union. And I would explain to the kids that the Soviet Union was the uh, Russian a communist empire that uh, after, uh, I think it was 1917 uh, on, basically dominated uh, uh, the, the uh, Russian Republic and then expanded out after World War II to cover Eastern Europe, and they called it the Warsaw Pact. Yeah. And uh, essentially, uh, after the end of the Soviet Union, which came, I think, was 20 years ago, this last Christmas, 30. 26- 30, 30. Years, 30 years ago, yeah. man, I'm dating myself, 30 <laughs> years ago, uh, when, it, when, the, when the Soviet empire, when the Soviet Union fell uh, 30 years ago, uh, a number of former Soviets, people like Vladimir Putin, who was a KGB guy, oh, yeah. decided that uh, it was going to be his goal, and he's never hidden it, that to reestablish the prestige, influence, and uh, capacity of the old Soviet Union. That's what this is all about and obviously to reestablish the old soviet prestige they got to get ukraine back in the fold and and uh they uh, got sevastopol they, they're going for they've been engaged in low-level uh guerrilla operations within the region for the past a couple of years and putin has made it very clear that his desire is to to put ukraine back into if not uh not influence. I think he wants actual control of Ukraine, which is a very prosperous country with a lot yes. of resources, a lot of agrarian uh, production, as well as a, a very modern 21st century nation. So there you go, Tony. I've pulled up. Uh, I've pulled up a map, um, yeah. and this is a pretty good map here, and and sort of showing this. Um, you have Crimea down here. Yeah. Jerry was t- Jerry had asked me just before we brought you on, right? This issue of uh, of of Crimea is totally in control uh, by the Russians. Right. Then you have Eastern Ukraine, which is some of it is now in in Russian control. Some of it has got this this Russian separatist or the pro Russian separatist movement. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about let's let's dial it back to 2014. Because one of the things that, that that Jerry and I talked about was the the issue of um, 
of the of what Obama said during the 2012 campaign. But he and Jerry and I didn't get into the the frankly the impotence of the Obama administration in 2014 in their response to what Putin was doing. Talk about that. So the Obama, and what I find is ironic is that some of the recent folks, Jake Sullivan even commented on the quote unquote Obama mistakes regarding the current aggression. It's like, oh, we won't make the same mistakes. Like, no, they're doing the same exact thing. And basically uh, uh, Obama made it very clear that first off, he considered this a regional issue that Putin, he considered a regional uh, leader. And I think, uh, to be honest with you, Andrew, just little little barbs like that is like uh, throwing a, you know, a red flag in front of a bull. Sure. And so he encouraged Putin to move forward and do this. And Putin called his bluff. It's like, OK, I'm going to go in. I'm going to take some terrain. And what are you going to do about it? And of course, in typical Obama fashion, he didn't do anything. Yeah. And I think uh, if nothing else, if nothing else, Putin is a, is a masterful poker player. He will. He knows exactly when to call people's bluffs. And uh, and I, I'm not saying this to be a partisan, although full disclosure, I did advise the Trump campaign as their national security advisor. <laughs> Putin would have not called Trump's bluff because Trump wouldn't have bluffed. He would have done something <laughs> regarding this. And that's why you saw that there was no, none of the shenanigans going on uh, during, uh, you know, during the, uh, the, the Trump years because Trump was providing lethal uh, uh capacity. And the other thing is that uh, I find this ironic. Uh, my friend and colleague and one of our senior fellows, Jim Woolsey, was actually involved in the 1990s negotiations where Ukraine was asked to give up its nuclear weapons. Right. With we, some guarantee. we talked about that earlier. Yep. Yeah. So it was some gar- with a guarantee that if you all, the Ukraine, give up your nuclear weapons, we, the West, will come to your aid should your territorial integrity ever be compromised. Well, by the way, it was under Clinton, uh, a, a Democrat regime. So the only people who've ever taken this seriously, apparently, is Trump, a Republican, who actually felt it was in our interest to support uh, the Ukrainians. And so we're left with a very uh, difficult choice of what to do at this point, you know, because to, back to the Obama point, Obama wasn't going to do anything. He didn't do anything. And in, in, in the case of of uh, uh, many would argue that uh, the Biden administration is simply uh, the third, uh, yeah. the third uh, Obama uh, uh, administration, which in many ways it really is because the same people are showing up. Valerie Jarrett's over in the White House every day uh, wow. kind of calling audibles. I don't know how you can make it any more obvious than that, but it is what it is. So. Let, let me just say this for our audience. And, and, and Tony, you might want to comment. And that is, you know, the great <laughs> irony here is that in, in, you know, early on in the Trump administration, uh, you had many, even those in the media who should know better, uh, who blamed Donald Trump for the Russians being in uh, Crimea. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's insane. I mean, look, this, this thing happens in the micro all the time. It's like they were all blaming uh uh, the new governor of Virginia for uh, all the different yes. for the, failures for, in 95. Yes, it's like he wasn't governor right. yet. It was still Northam. <laughs> so, no, I think people, especially polit- political folks who don't care to actually study the facts, and this goes back to our original point about the truth being controversial, uh, all these failures uh, have to be laid at the, 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 the feet of the Obama administration. Uh, the failure in, in to take advantage of the Green Revolution in Iran, Iran uh, sure. 2009, 2008, 2009, 
Obama. The failure to, to, to check Putin, Obama. The failure to do anything regarding the red line in Syria and the, yep. in the region, Obama. And it, it, Trump, God bless him, was doing everything he could within the confines of of his authorities to actually fix some of this and get us out of some of this. And, and, full, and again, full disclosure, I did yep. work with Mike Pompeo when Mike was over at CIA. We were, I would meet with Mike about every six months as one of now, his now he's, he's known as half Mike now. He's, he's uh, dropped, he's gone back to his <laughs> fighting weight uh, at the, at the U S military Academy. So, yes. yes. Yeah. I, I knew him years ago when uh, I was working for the Kaufman foundation and he was one of the members of Congress that were working on uh, what we call the startup bill. Uh, it was uh, uh, it was a, a mechanism uh, to deregulate so entrepreneurs and startup firms uh, would have a better chance at succeeding. But he's a good man. Oh, yes. Yeah. Can yeah. I tell you a quick story? My, my first meeting with him, very quick. Absolutely. So, so he called me in right after he got confirmed. And he wanted to talk about a number of issues. And at the time, London Center was pushing this idea, which became prominent, uh, this condominium of Middle East countries working together. We called it the, the Middle East NATO it turned into this other, uh, uh, the, the Abraham Accord. So, you know, we were early right. on. And so we had a conversation. So as I sat down on the seventh floor in Mike's office, I looked around the office there at CIA and I said, Mike, you know, I am very gratified to see that the one of the first things you did is remove all of John Brennan's prayer rugs. I, it's really <laughs> a good move. And he gave me, he gave me that look like, Tony, don't say things like oh, that. Oh, that's it. We're going to get don't, banned, don't get banned from like YouTube that. again, Andrew. Here we go. <laughs> That's all let, right. Let, 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 let me, Andrew. I mean, this yeah. is this is your this is your area of expertise. No, but, no, Jerry. But it, you, know, to, you know, to the to the point of and uh, you know, make the complex conversational. Um, there's a lot going on. There's COVID. There are debates about mandates, and there are uh, inflation issues and supply chain, energy costs. I mean, things are you couldn't imagine. We couldn't have set up a worse a worse scenario. So my question is a very simple one. Why should uh, the American people, uh, why, why should they mind or care about uh, uh, Russian troops on the Ukraine border? That's a question. I get that a lot. And, and it's, it's one of those things where um, I actually watched The Darkest Hour last night as a movie. Oh, good uh, movie. Winston Churchill. Yeah, it's a, it's a great movie. Uh, Award winning. Uh, I was a little bit skeptical at, at first, but it was very well done. Uh, and the one of the themes in that is like uh, Chamberlain had gotten the British into the situation they were in. Basically, they, he kept giving things up to Hitler, giving it up, giving it up, giving it up. And so uh, the, the forces that be wanted to negotiate a peace uh, with. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Gary Oldman, I, I like Gary as an actor. I could not believe what a great job he did as yeah. Winston Churchill. Yeah. Uh, so I highly recommend it. But this is the central point of, of your question, Jerry, is, you know, how far do you let these guys go before you rein them in? So at this point, no, Ukraine is not a member of NATO. They, they, there's not an Article 5 requirement to respond. But our Polish allies and NATO members yep. are a border nation, and they are concerned, as well as the other uh, Baltic states are very concerned. Uh, one of the things I've said is that we ought to, Norway and uh, Finland both have applied to NATO. We should let them in. Yes. So make that statement. And then I would follow it up with very strong military action, uh, telling myself again, when I was a very young lieutenant, I deployed to Germany to do counterterrorism stuff in 1985 as part of something called Reforger, Return of Forces to Germany. 
every five, four years, every four or five years, I forget the time frame, we would do a complete uh, a large scale exercise to show that we could return to Europe in force. So uh, the only thing Putin's going to understand is, is pushback. So if not Ukraine, then when is the question I, and, I and ask the, And the polls have warned us that uh, we're looking at war in 15 yeah. years. Right. So, so I'm a, my belief is they, the Ukrainians have the right to defend themselves. We actually gave them an agreement that we would help them defend themselves, a Democrat uh, regime, uh, uh, the Clintons. So why, why, why is that our word not good enough to come to their defense now? And again, I, I just don't think Putin would have the cojones. He's a bully. But I don't yeah. think he would have the cojones to go head on, uh, full on into a war. So, so, I, so but Tony, he will he will continue to nibble away at the edges edges, which is what he's doing. So, so. Tony, I've just put up on 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 my screen on our screen uh, for the viewers um, a, a piece that I wrote in May of 2014 called "The Case for Ground Forces in Ukraine," mm -hmm. which sort of makes the argument again talking about the treaty obligations and and offering up an interpretation of the treaty, and also suggesting that it's very similar in some respects to. Uh, uh, what we do in terms of our status of forces in South Korea, that it right. acts as a hedge. Um, I came in for some serious criticism from a guy named John Schindler, uh, who I'm sure you're familiar with, yes. uh, who, who thinks that he's the greatest expert in Russia, even though he was caught in a Russian honey trap a couple of years later. Uh, 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 you know, him and his buddy Tom Nichols. Talk about this. I mean, I, I am wary, obviously... Because you never want to commit troops in an area unless you're willing to, you know, put them in harm's way. But but talk about this where Andrew, I might that's, be that's right. the that's the princess bride strategy of uh, yes of, yes of yeah. never getting well, land war in Asia. Yes. Tom Nichols is I think uh, is Mark's re reincarnated. Just look at his pictures. Just look at it. I mean, you can see it's like <laughs> he's, he's going for that look. Just say I've said this to him on, on Twitter. By the way, I'm not saying yeah. I haven't said to him to his virtual face. Anyway, point being to these guys. These guys have a fundamental uh, belief that somehow uh, their being sympathetic with them gives them some insight. I would argue the contrary. Uh, they are almost as if they have. Yeah, there you go. I'm I'm, I'm blocked too. Yeah. Well, I'm off Twitter. I got kicked off for uh, for calling out all the the stuff I was. So I'm gone. I'm oh, over boy. Getter now. So it's yeah, it's only it was a matter fun. of time for me. I went out. No, I went out with the. I went out with a blaze of glory. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. So anyway, my <laughs> point awesome. being is these guys are are nitwits when it comes to actually understanding what's going to happen. Yeah. So uh, they've consistently apologized for him. And and Tom Nichols, I said this on Twitter. Yeah. He was one. He he was doing Vladimir Putin's work for him by supporting the Russian collusion narrative. These guys are <laughs> apologists and promoters of of, of Russia and their aggression, not yeah. not predictors. They're, they're part of it. So I would say that the only way you're going to be able to rectify this is actually get back in sync with our values and the values of those which are NATO. NATO it was fundamentally set up to stop aggression. So your point about South Korea is exactly on the mark. Thank you. We should be setting it up for purposes of trying to make sure that that if there's aggression going back, I mean, come on, we learned this during the buildup to, to World War II. And oh, by the way, Russians, when, when Germany invaded Poland, who was the under, on the other side of taking the other side of Poland? The Russians, yeah. the Soviets. They split up Poland. Oh, come yeah. on. That's right. So, Molotov I mean, Ribbentrop Pact. Yeah. 
Hey, but before but, before hey, we let you go, I'm sorry, Jerry. Yeah, I know you got to. But and and again, because because I might just, you know I'll go back and listen to this again later and just take yeah. some notes. But just two things, uh, Tony, and you can be brief. The first is you mentioned uh, get back to our values. Let me comment yeah. on 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 that in, in in this sense. Unfortunately, we have uh, the Democrats and liberals, progressive in this country, uh, that uh, that demean American values. Uh, number one. So right. we're, we're at a point in our history where we're questioning as a nation, as a uh, who we are and what our values are. And, but 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 however, tied in with that is how uh, the Biden administration left Afghanistan oh. and how and how is that? How does how does that lesson uh, uh, play out with Putin? Because here's what I know. You know, my, my father's a Vietnam era uh, 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 veteran and um, and I grew up and my dad always said the Russians would never come here, Jerry. Uh, there's there, there's too many of us. We're, we're too armed. Uh, the American people wouldn't stand for it. And 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 he had that kind of a, a, a aggressiveness. But um, but but he also said my father said and again, my father, eighth grade education um, went in. He was airborne. Um, he said that uh, he talked about how uh, the uh, he talked about how the um, I lost my train of thought for. Here, but, <laughs> but he, he talked about how. Uh, American values is what is is, is our greatest uh, protector. Uh, and he also talked about this. I'm sorry. He said this. He said everyone looked at Vietnam as a as a tragic mistake. Uh, and my father believed that Vietnam, the fact that we stuck to it uh, uh, to the mid 70s, actually was uh, was a warning against the Russians yes. that 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 we would commit to something and stick to it for you know 19 what 54 to 1974 whatever it was. So in that context, American values and the debacle in Afghanistan, what does that do in terms of of this geopolitical uh, situation with with Putin? So let me answer the question in two parts. Uh, part of it is, I think, what we have up here, Andrew put on the screen already, yeah. is the fact that so many of our failures are not based on lack of intelligence or lack of capacity. It's lack of political will or the politicians being uh, allowing the military to do what's necessary. So I would argue in Vietnam, there was a path to victory, the village support operations, where we were actually in, enabling villages to support themselves, a very similar strategy that would have worked in Afghanistan. But again, uh, the idea was we had to commit ourselves to a central government that would be the force that that would, it, it wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to work in Vietnam. It didn't work in Afghanistan. And so the problem is people who have the solutions are shuffled away. Look, uh, you guys, you know, op, op, my book, Operation Dark Heart, let me pull it out here. You guys have seen it before. And I got it up on the wall. You know, I talk about the path to victory. The path to victory was to actually uh, to figure out a way to partner with the tribes and warlords. The Afghan, there's no central government tradition. There's no tradition of that. They are not, un, the Afghan people are not ungoverned, they're self-governed. And that we should have accepted that. That's how we won in the initial entry in Afghanistan. We worked with all the tribes and warlords. So we chose to ignore that and pretend that we could set up a central government that could sustain itself. That was our fault. So many of these victories are not from our lack of intelligence or understanding or able danger. Why, Jerry, why do you think that uh, SOCOM took 16 years? Look at this. Gary, uh, I don't know if you can see this. But I yeah. see, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. 16. Why do you think SOCOM? I testified in 2006. Uh, and right before I testified, Judicial Watch took my information and put it into a FOIA. So yeah. what I testified in 2006 under oath, both open and closed, 
Why is SOCOM only now saying 16 years later, hey, are you still interested? <laughs> because they don't want to talk about that's the fact exactly that we, right, right. We, don't, we knew about the 9-11 hijackers. We were targeting them. We had operations ready to go to go counter these guys. And we were told, yeah, don't worry about it. So, folks, so you understand this, this, this Judicial Watch got this information in, in just the last couple of days. Yeah. From SOCOM. That's why, right. you know, Tony and I had, had traded. That's why one of the reasons why Tony's on with us today. I so mean, that's, yeah, yeah, to answer your question, we, we know these things. It's not the military. It's not the intelligence community. It's the policymakers who fail. Yeah. So, yeah. Tony, before I let you go, yeah. um, uh, so is, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Is Russia going to invade Ukraine this winter? They are. They, it's not going to be like the whole thing. I think you saw from the, the map. They're already kind of focused on the, the eastern part of the country. So I think you're going to see a, a great deal of essentially bifurcation. You, you'll see, yeah, you can see right there on the map. Like right you can see here. where all the lines of approach are. Yeah, I, I don't think they have the resources or the need at this point to take Kiev. Uh, you, you want to stay away from urban centers. Uh, I don't think you, you want to, but all that area, I think you're going to see the bifurcation right down the middle. And the belief is going to be Ukraine will gradually kind of fall within their entire sphere. So I think that's what you're going to see within the next two weeks. There you go. Well, well listen, two, uh, two weeks, two weeks, two within weeks, because it's winter and, and the Russian and the Russian army, it's, it's much easier to move those tanks over the frozen oh, yeah. soil of Ukraine. Yeah. And they've been time. training for winter, the winter uh, operations for a while. So I, look, I know, I, look, I know Tony has to go, but just real quick, what kind of fight does the Ukraine, Ukraine put up? The Ukrainians are great people, but they're not great fighters. And, and I think this is something I've talked to a number of folks who have spent time in Ukraine. Uh, it, this is both good and bad. They just don't have the viciousness uh, that the, uh, a lot of the, the, the Soviets have. Now, the other thing going for the Ukrainians, the Soviets tend to not do well outside of the Soviet Union. Uh, Interesting. You know, the Great Patriotic War went very well because the Russians were defending essentially you know, their territory. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a little bit different here. So as much as I think he's going to do it, I don't think it's going to be the cakewalk that, that Putin thinks it's going to be. So Interesting. Interesting. Well, Tony Schaefer, thank you so very much for, for joining us today. Thanks. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Jerry. Always great to join you guys. Have me back. I'd like to come back and talk more about There's a lot of stuff to talk about. So. Yeah, listen, we will, we will absolutely have you back. Great. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, guys. And with that in mind, let's start our bottom line segment. The bottom line. So, uh, Jerry, and you'll notice I, I, shortened, I shortened that. I, I took out the, uh, the clip from on Golden Pond because that's another thing that we got uh, we got dinged for. That was such a that was a really good discussion with uh, Tony Schaefer, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and and you know, bottom line for me just to start with is yeah. is that what a good guy he is. What yeah. a genuinely good good man. Uh, you know me. You know I'm I'm most comfortable sometimes uh, often uh, at the corner of an Irish pub. Yeah, uh, I think I could sit uh, for hours uh, with him. And he he said one thing that. Uh, that struck me, but also is Besides the fact is, that I'm right, Jerry, <laughs> that I was right in 2014. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Is this thing. and that is that we have these debacles, yeah, and it, and, and and loss of life, and and it's often because of of political hacks, absolutely. Uh, and and again, going back to you know 9/11 and and what we 
uh, what we knew and how we didn't defend ourselves because of political correctness, because of, uh, again, it wasn't called that then, but because of wokeism. Uh, uh, because because we 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 were questioning our own values, and that's another thing that he said that struck me, and that is you know how, how do we defend uh, against a Putin, uh, yeah. and that is well we we get back to our values. But I'll ask you this, uh, Andrew, and and I'll, I'll 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 zip it for a second before I lose my train of thought Please. again. Uh, but but the bottom line is is that it seems to me that the left, I'm sorry to say, but I'm going to say it, hates America. Well, hates American values. You hear this all the time. Well, all right. And time so how are we supposed to defend our borders and defend against um, uh, uh, tyrants like a Putin uh, when when half the country or when the establishment in this country, the elites, the the media and the corporations and the academia and the and the Democratic Party, uh, they they question and they reject American values. Well, that's exactly it. And this gets into the evidence for what you're talking about, because we believe in evidence. Because you just said, and I, I would say, we can, we can have a question as to whether or not Democrats hate America or progressives hate America, but they certainly hate American values. We, we opened up the conversation today talking about free speech and freedom of expression and the free exchange of ideas. And, and, and that, is a, that is a fundamental. There is a reason why the First Amendment is the First Amendment. In fact, if you go back to that Packingham case that we were talking about, um, and, I'll, and I'll pull this up, Jerry. There's a, uh, um, this piece, let me pull this up here, that I've been reading. I'm going to go to the beginning of it. Um, you know, while, while you're pulling that up, uh, yeah. think about this, right? Uh, how how can Putin do what he does? And that is because there is this understanding and love of Mother Russia. You know, the Russians are fierce to defend their their territory because there is a there's a, there's a, there's such a thing as what? Russia and 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 Russians in America. There is we're not bound by ethnicity or blood, uh, but we're bound uh, by our values. And so when you have uh, the political class and the economic class in this country uh, hating American values. Yes. Essentially, essentially the nation uh, the, uh, ceases to exist uh, well, okay, if, we, okay. if we don't respect the First Amendment and we don't respect the Bill of Rights and American values. And so this piece um, that, that I started reading because of what you were talking, the Washington Journal of Law, Technology yep. and Arts, Censorship, Free Speech and Facebook, Applying the First Amendment to Social it, it Matthew Hooker um, uh, uh, had written this. It's a, it's a really great article about it. But one of the things he talks about is you know, how the Supreme Court has discussed the First Amendment as literally a first among a, a first principle among others that are all important, but they say the First Amendment is more important that's than others. That's why it's so when you're balancing, for instance, First Amendment versus property rights, the First Amendment uh, uh, balances out um, or the First Amendment uh, on balance, it will always down more heavily. But again, right, we sort of look at all of these things, all of these principles, and, and you, you see how the progressive left has torn at these principles, right? We, we, we have to throw out the principles of the American founding because they were enacted by white, racist, slaveholding uh, 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 old men, essentially. Um, and so we, we need to, you know, we need to you change the First Amendment. We need to get rid of the Second Amendment. Uh, we need to sharply curtail the Fourth Amendment. We need to change, you know, the property rights aspects of the Fifth Amendment. We don't believe in the Ninth or the Tenth Amendments, right? Uh, all of all of those things sort of tied together. 
are emblematic of this. And so that's why, yeah, I mean, it was not where I thought we were going to go. I mean, obviously we focused on Ukraine in our discussion with Tony, um, but this gets to it. It's funny because I don't talk about this much. I talked about it more on the air, but you remember, you may not remember this, Jerry, but back in the early 2000s, after the after 2003, when we reinvaded Iraq, I was asked to chair a working group on property rights in the international context um, in trying to find ways to inculcate an American approach to private property rights into uh, our rebuilding in both, to a lesser extent, Afghanistan, to a greater extent, Iraq. And, and those ideas were categorically rejected. I'm not going to go into details to why it was so important, um, but it gets into these values that you're talking about. Um, and, and overall, with regards to Ukraine, I am reminded of the phrase, those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. And, and this is, I think this is going to be especially telling when we, when we talk about uh, uh, what's happening in Ukraine, on the ground in Ukraine. No, I agree. And, and the bottom line is this, is that, you know, um, we have to secure our border. Yeah. Uh, we have to deal with uh, inflation, uh, supply chain, uh, the myriad issues in the, in, in America that we're facing uh, the, again, the, the sadness there is that, is that much of what ails us is self-inflicted. Yes. Uh, th- this administration truly uh, is, uh, is inept. Uh, this president is unable to process uh, information. Uh, I, I'm reminded, you know, we were talking to Tony, Tony about this. Uh, on ABC News, the president, uh, back a while, uh, was asked the question, you know, what did the generals tell you about the pullout in Afghanistan? Yes. Uh, they told you that we had to do certain things. And the president denied it. He said, I never heard any of this from the generals, which calls <laughs> yeah. into question. Uh, he's either a liar. He's either a liar uh, or he can't process information. Yeah. Right. Okay. And, and, and here we are with Ukraine. What's what's going to happen uh, if if Putin invades uh, oh. and the Chinese are on the march and in Iran, we're going to reenter into a, a deal with Iran. This this administration is it's foreign policy records in, in just a year is as bad as its domestic record. Our enemies are on the march. And, and, and this gets into, as Tony says, you know, when you have folks like Valerie Jarrett calling audibles at the white house, this is hugely, hugely problematic. Um, it, it, it you know, it, it's interesting, right? Cause I, one of the things that we didn't have time to get to, and, and unfortunately with Tony, yeah, we could have, we could have kept him for an hour or more probably. Uh, but Tony had a, had a thing uh, that, that he had a hard deadline to, to get out by. One of the things I wanted to ask him about was this, you know, let's not forget that the Biden family was deeply enmeshed in Ukrainian issues as this was all going on. The Ukrainian government hired Hunter Biden in no small measure in 2014, 2015 to get U.S. attention focused on what was happening in Ukraine. Um, This is a family that should have an intimate knowledge, an intimate understanding of what's going on there. And yet they seem to be completely naive. And then when you take it into uh, it together with uh, with 
what Putin, I'm sorry, with what Putin, with what Biden said on the campaign trail, with what the Democrat accusations against uh, Team Trump versus the reality of what Team Trump was doing vis-a-vis Russia, uh, and then Biden coming in and one of his early acts being uh, getting rid of the sanctions on the, the oil pipeline, the Nord oil pipeline. I mean, it, it paints it paints a damning picture. Before we move on, Jerry, I do want to say I was personally gratified in our in our conversation with Tony uh, that he uh, that he 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 appreciated my my piece, what I my thesis of my piece in 2014 in the National Review, which I, I clearly need to repost and revisit. Go ahead. Well, look, the bottom line is, is, is this, too. Um, the 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 Russian military, Russia is a nation of what, 146 million uh, people. It's a it's a large country. It has the fifth largest standing army in the world, and it has somewhere up to 20 million uh, uh, in reserve. Yeah, uh, this is a very serious uh, military power. Yeah. And again, if past is prologue, if you let. If you let a tyrant, if you let a military power just roll over its weaker enemies, eventually you're going to have to fight that power on your own shores. But let me say this. Yeah, please. Uh, there was a time when when in America, I, I, I would have I would have I would have said to, to, to Tony when he said that the Russians are fierce fighters, especially when they're defending their homeland. You know, we have again, I, I say the word half. You know, it's a euphemism, but half of America uh, refuses to defend America. So I'm not sure, even with our technology, even with our uh, military uh, uh, power, I'm not sure if America could defend itself today. Well, listen, and and listen, we've had this conversation with Tony before, uh, both of us have at various points in time, uh, about the compromises that are that are being done to our Department of Defense. Uh, you know, our men and women who are in uniform. Look, I mean, it's, it's not even that it's, it's not. It's, you're right. Yes. But we're teaching young people in America's public schools that America is a racist. Yes. Uh, that is it is a uh, homophobic. It is a uh, it is an economic a depraved uh, nation. So yeah. when you're teaching again, C.S. Lewis, uh, when you um, when you mock valor and then you are surprised to have That's traitors right. In, in, in your midst, this is what we're doing. We're training young people uh, to hate uh, their country. And there's going to come a time when, you know, this is why, in my mind, loyalty is the greatest of all attributes, because, uh, you know, there's that scene in the movie The Town. Have you seen yeah, this? Yeah, sure. I haven't seen The Town. Well, yeah. ben, a- ben Affleck's uh, character goes into his buddy and says, look, I need a favor. You can't ask me. You can't ask me what it is. You can never ask me about it. We're going to hurt some people. And there's a pause. And uh, his friend says, uh, whose car are we going to take? That 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 kind of attitude of we're going to protect our own. uh, I I wonder if if that exists in this country any longer. Yeah. No. And listen, it it gets on that sad note, Andrew. Yeah, I I know. And I I appreciate that, Jerry. I mean, it, it, it gets down to this this issue of. You know, I, I, I set up, I had this thought this morning about just where we are going to be as a nation. What what is America going to look like in, I'm going to say, 20, 25 years? And I, you know, I talk about this, I talk about this on the air, I talked about this with regards to Baltimore and sort of setting out where we would want, you know, where where the mayor of Baltimore would want Baltimore to look in 20, 25 years. And 
you know, this is not me sort of creating and spinning dystopian fantasies. I'm literally, you know, legitimately wondering about this as folks who have been taught to um, show disdain for these American institutions, uh, as they're being taught to embrace uh, policies that that bear no correspondence to reality, right? You know, it, you, you know what what does an America look like in which everybody drives an electric car, but we don't generate enough electricity for all those electric cars, right. or where the power grid gets shut down, or where the supply chain is? And you, you, you think about this, Jerry, and and you think about how futurists looked at America back in the 1970s. Uh, and the things where they went wrong and the things where they, the areas where they went right. Um, and, and, you know, and it's sort of, this gets back to where I wanted to go. I, I did, I, I like you, I lost my train of thought there for a second. You know, Khrushchev said in 1960, whatever it was, maybe it was the late fifties. He said it, it was widely reported as we will bury you. Right. What he was really saying is we will be at your funeral. And that Khrushchev at the time and was laying the seeds for undermining America's values even then. And certainly it accelerated in the 1960s. And I appreciate what you had to say about Vietnam, because um, that, that's an important part of all of this. But, you know, certainly we, we, we've seen that the Russians are still active in doing what they can to turn us against one another. And they're winning. And, and, and they're winning. I mean, they're, they're succeeding. I'm not even going to say winning and losing. They are succeeding at this. Right. Because um, I don't want to couch it in winning and losing terms. I, yeah, I just... I, 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 except, except for the fact that we went through four years of, of the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. Yes. Uh, we had um, members of Congress uh, that, were, uh, that, that promoted it. Uh, uh, we, had our, we had our Department of Justice, our FBI. We had, uh, we had a, uh, uh, the Obama administration uh, uh, spying and leaking and acting in ways that you'd never, you would never I, imagine. I, I don't uh, deny any of this. I, in America. I, I think absolutely hundred percent. The Russians are succeeding. Um, yeah. I, you know, I just, I don't know why I, I had that visceral reaction to saying, that well, you know, and, you know, it's, it, let me, let me just, again, the bottom, I like the bottom line things, right? I know you do. That's the, why we call it the bottom uh, line the, segment, Jerry. But, 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 you know, the Russians have a sense of themselves. You know, look, there's a lot. Russia has many has problems and issues. And I don't and, know. But but the Russians, the Russian people know who they are. The Chinese, I, I, they know who they are. The Iranians, even they know who they are. I, see, our I'm enemies not, have a sense of themselves at a time when in America we're questioning ourselves. I don't know, Jerry. I think that when you're talking about about essentially a series of 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 totalitarian regimes, I think the folks in power have a sense of who they are and the power that they want to grab. I don't think the average Russian gives two wits about, about Ukraine. Uh, and, and if you ask them, they would probably say if they were allowed to speak honestly, that they could care less uh, about whether or not Russia retook uh, Eastern Ukraine. I think, you know, so, so, you know, a question for Tony, I'll ask you, cause yeah. you, you have a big head for knowing things. All right. So the, Russia goes in and, and, and they draws that line in eastern, yeah. you know, eastern Ukraine, Ukraine yeah. uh, Crimea uh, is under Russian influence, uh, yeah. under Ukraine, under Russian influence. Uh, to what end? Uh, what does Putin get from this? Access to the Black Sea. OK, fine. Well, I mean, there's a couple a couple of things. Right. So. So. And again, I pulled I pulled the map back up. So uh, obviously um, there is 
access to the Black Sea, uh, uh, tourism dollars on Crimea. Uh, there are, uh, I believe there are oil resources down on the Black Sea here. Um, but what else he gets in, you know, there's, there's the agricultural issues here, but it is also for him, it is, there, there is a certain degree of personal, are you there, did I lose you? There you go. I'm here, I'm here. Um, there is a, a degree of, of personal and what he would say a national pride that is at work here which is returning Russia to its former glory. You know, Tony talked about the restoration of the Soviet Union. There's part of that. There is the idea of being an empire, again, a Russian empire, without Putin being an emperor. And, and I guess this gets into, right? It's funny because I rewatched Woody Allen's Love and Death over the weekend, uh, which is one of my favorite Woody Allen movies, which is about sort of Russia in the age of the Napoleonic invasions. Yeah, there was a certain degree of national pride that is at work, and certainly the national pride goes into it for the Russians if their motherland is invaded, the Rodina. Um, but this it's less of an issue in terms of pushing imperialism out. This is more about Putin and his perception of himself and his perception of Russia's power. How, and, old, is, and, how, how old is Putin? And and who oh, I don't who's know. next in line? Oh, I bet I that I couldn't tell you. I bet I don't know. Yeah. I, I will say I will say this much, right? Because again, as we talk about the eclipsing American sphere of influence abroad, um, Putin really sees himself in a race against the Chinese, and and it's it, it's it's you know, and and China Russian relations uh, have always been uh, very tense for a lot of reasons. Um, uh, uh, not, you know, during the time of the Soviet Union, it was compete, competing visions of Marxism, uh, completing, f competing flavors of Marxism. He's, um, uh, he, you know, it's interesting you say that because, by the way, P Putin is 69. There you go. Um, Dude. You know, it'd be interesting, uh, a, 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 an American president looking at the geopolitical issues sees the rise of China and the threat of China. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I mean, why not, again, do what Nixon did, right? Why, why doesn't America align itself with Russia uh, in terms of, 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 of strategic defense against the Chinese? Yeah, I mean, listen, well, I mean, because I, I think, honestly, there are, there are two different, there are two different, um, uh, I was going to say modus operandi, there are two different goals that are at work. I mean, both want to be a dominant world power and are competing to be the dominant world power. China's, I think China's sphere of influence or, or, or zone of interest, sphere of interest is much larger than Russia. I mean, Russia or well, that's, that's has, what I mean. Yeah. You, know, you, you, you make a strategic decision that the Russians are essentially less of a global threat than the Chinese. So what you do is you make, you make, you, you know, you make your, your enemy, Who's also the enemy of your enemy? You make him at least your strategic yeah, partner. I don't know, I and mean, then I maybe think, you I have think... more influence over, over stopping them from invading Ukraine. Yeah, but I mean, but I think I think both of them. Listen, both of them respond in different ways, right? Russia only knows strength and only and will only respond to someone who stands up strongly. China, it's it's very different. I mean, China, obviously, you have to be much, much more savvy when it comes to sort of dealing with that threat and understanding what they're doing to counter them. 
I, I think, I, I don't think it would I, matter. I, I, hold on, yeah. hold on. My point is, I don't yeah. think it would matter to China if we had a stronger alliance with Russia. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, on the other hand, right, if, if and, I, and I love this idea from Tony, you know, we should be making sure that every European country that is not a member of NATO is a member of NATO. Um, or, or I, I say this obviously not Ukraine. So, so, so long as so long as as NATO uh, 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 pulls the trigger, if one if one yeah. nation is attacked. Well, you know, here, here, here's here again. I'll say it again. The bottom line: all of this is almost uh, a moot uh, if America doesn't regain a sense of itself. And that's a, and that's and that's exactly it, Jerry. And and part of this is you know it, it, we we have these competing visions of how we compete on the world stage. Um, and I know you have a sun's changing over here as well. Um, no one is saying that we should retreat from the world. So there are people I'm not saying neither Jerry nor I are saying we need to retreat from the world stage. Uh, we just have to be much, much more uh, conscientious about about how we do it. We have to have a goal in mind. And so I would say that if we're going up against China, what it means is we need to have an activist uh, a trade and aid policy. Uh, that 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 that's goal is to act as a check against Chinese economic aggression in and, places like instead, that. we're giving the Chinese a three decade pass on the yeah, restrictions exactly. of of climate change agreements and all the rest of it. We have look, we have an administration right now. Yeah. Uh, we have a media right now. We have a uh, we have an academia right now and even a co corporate culture right now uh, that. Uh, that are at odds yes. uh, with what's best for America. Uh, and, and again, it goes back to this religiosity, climate change, uh, COVID, uh, COVID policies, critical race theory. This is religion for the left and they're fanatical about it. All right, Jerry, before I, before I let you go, um, have you, have, did you get a chance to watch the Eternals yet? No. And uh, yeah. you know what? Don't. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I know I, I, I was talking to a buddy of mine. He's like, yeah, Jerry, uh, the, one of the Eternals decides that the uh, American uh, bombing of, of nuclear. Yes. Uh, I mean, give me a, that. That's the end of again. Uh, it, 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 it's 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 not worth it. It's like it, it, it. There's really no point. There's no point to it. That's my review. There's no point to the Eternals. Yeah. Um, it, and then down. the movie goes on Eternal. Uh, go and 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 I don't even actually I don't even think you need. Here, here's my fundamental problem. So they bring on Kit Harrington, and I know you didn't watch all the seasons of Games of Th Game of Thrones. No, yeah. Uh, but the guy who plays Jon Snow, Kit Harrington, yeah, is which is he's on for the yeah. first ten minutes, and then he's in for the last ten minutes, maybe less. And he's the most interesting person in the in yeah. the entire. But the body you know, for, for our audience, because we're teasing that the 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 Eternals uh, actually, um, uh, uh, it, it, it's it, at, at the heart of the movie. It's it's an un-American. Uh, it, it's an American. Oh yeah, bashing but it's movie. not. It's not. Yeah, it's American bashing, but it's. It, it's not even. The, that's not the reason why it's awful. I mean, that's part and parcel of it being awful is the the politics that it plays with it. It's just a a dumb movie and and, and, and dumb in a bad way. All right, Jerry. Listen, right. I think that's that's got to wrap it up. That's uh, it, baby. For, for this week, are you are you on? Uh, are you doing any radio? Well, I do. I, my oh, show on my my yeah, show yeah. on Sunday, of course, and then. Uh, and then um, uh, some of the things in the hopper, and I'll let the folks know as they come. As Got they come it. Up. Well, listen, as Jerry, uh, Jerry, you always say, uh, find the truth, plant your feet, stand firm. Have a great week, everybody. Have fun, and please stay safe.